Y'all better not come to my studio with that fake shit. Y'all better not come to my funeral with that fake shit. Y'all better off realizing there's nothing that y'all could do with me. All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me. What up, though? Today is Thursday, September 22nd, 2016. I am iHeart Miko or Miko Grimes. This is the iHeart Miko podcast. And um, shout out to all my listeners that are consistent listeners. I know I said that I would try to give you guys a show every Monday, but um, I just, I was inspired to come on the air today. I was inspired to do a show today because I watched Empire last night. And um, not like Empire is this. It's not like that. It's not like inspiring me to do sports talk, but it inspired me because when I watched the episode, I just thought about how amazing the show is and how they are able to always find a way to incorporate the issues that black America faces today on their show. And I think that that's pretty incredible. And so although I don't think the show is amazing or incredible as overall as a show, I think it's a really, really good show. But I do think that as far as um, tackling the issues and, and, and finding a way to, to express the black view and the black voice, I think Empire does an amazing job, incredibly amazing job. And um, I'm always hearing people on social media arguing about which one is better, Empire or Power. And to me, I can never put the two shows up against each other because they just it doesn't make sense to compare the two. It's almost like comparing Beyonce to Rihanna. You know, and I'm a huge Rihanna fan, but there's no way you can compare Rihanna to Beyonce because the the time they've been in the industry and the type of music they put out and the type of people, one's married, a, a wife and mother, and the other one's just Rihanna. Like, she's just a, a rock star. She's out here. She's smoking weed. She's half naked. She's jumping around from man to man doing what the fuck she wants to do. And, and I think it's incredible. And so I never like to compare those two and it's the same way I feel about empire and power because empire's on Fox. That's the first thing. Let's just start there. It's on a local channel. You know, it's on Fox. They can't really be as risque as power. Who's on stars, which is a cable, you know, channel where they can show a lot of nudity. They can say a lot of cuss words and the budget I'm sure is completely different. So I don't compare them on that level. And I also don't compare them because of, for the fact, like I just said, empire will discuss some of the things that are happening today right now in black America and our culture. And so power is just a show. It's talking about um, a drug family for the most part in New York city. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I can't cause I've never been a part of a drug cartel or, you know, had those type of issues, but that doesn't mean power is not an amazing show. I think it's very well written outside. Of the, I don't really care too much for the sex scenes. I'm not really, sure why they keep showing him nailing um Angela it's not it doesn't it doesn't come off right to me it really doesn't come off right to me it could just be me I don't know but it just doesn't look right and in the most recent episode he nailed Tasha again is that her name Tasha damn I can't even remember if that's her name but anyways he nailed his wife again and that sex scene was even awkward so I'm not sure about the sex parts of the show but overall I think power is an incredible show but Empire, Empire and Power are just way too different of shows to compare. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really compare them. But but last night's episode touched on a lot of black issues that America faces with poverty, 
police brutality, oppression, prison, death. And then when they, they, they hopped on the post-traumatic stress disorder, I thought that was incredible to talk about that because a lot of black families don't like to talk about things like that. They don't like to talk about being bipolar, any type of mental health in the black community. It's kind of like pushed aside and ignored and, and, and not talked about. So I like what they're doing. I hope they continue to um, force the conversation of, of mental health in the black community, because I think it's something that the black community really needs to um, not shy away from and not be ashamed of, you know, in your family and some of the things that, that I see in my own family and other people's families that I know that they don't really talk about it. It's just, you know, if you have like a, what they call the crazy cousin or that crazy uncle, like those uncles and cousins need help. And our people generally don't get them the help. We just kind of push them in a room by themselves and slide a plate of food under the door and, and leave them alone, you know? So Shout out to Empire for, you know, tackling some issues that a lot of shows, a lot of black shows don't like to discuss. And shout out to Power, too, for just, you know, being real and, and being a, a really good show for um, and it's not just for the black audience, but, you know, it's a black show. Let's just keep it honest. It's a black show. It's doing really well. I hope the rumors of, of the, the season three and four being canceled are not true because 50 Cent wants to go on tour. I don't know what the hell that's about, but I hope it's not true. But um, it was a really good show, and I watched it last night, and I was like, you know what, I, I want to talk about this just a little bit. I just wanted to give, you know, a little bit of insight on it. And then I said, you know, if I'm going to get on the mic, I might as well, I might as fucking well talk about the Patriots playing the fucking Texans. Like, this is going to be a huge game. Like, it's week three, and we're already seeing the Patriots have so many issues going on, you know, with... Tom Brady being suspended four games, people not knowing where Garoppolo was going to fit in, how he was going to play, and then Gronk being out. Now Garoppolo's injured. Now they've got to play this rookie. Like, a lot of shit is happening in New England. And um, Belichick is, to me, the greatest coach I've ever seen in my life. So I'm interested to see how he handles this. And I'm also interested how the Texans will handle this scene as though the last time they played them, they got smacked. You know, and the last time Osweiler played the Patriots, he beat them. So this was a game that I really couldn't pass up on talking about. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Let me reach out to some people and see who, you know, who would who would want to come on with me, you know, and and talk about this. And so I shout out to Gil Arcia for linking me with Jason Braddock, who's going to be joining me today. He's a reporter for the Texans. I believe he has radio 790 in Tex in Houston so we're going to chop it up and have a little bit of fun, talk about this game, talk about some other trending topics on social media with the NFL. And so I hope you guys enjoy the show. Let me grab him real quick and see if he's ready. Jason, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, how are you? I'm very well. I appreciate you having me on and I'm looking forward to this. Thank you so much for joining me. A lot of people are scared to come on my podcast. I mean, you just hopped right out there and like you were ready. Hey, look, I don't, I don't mind people that, that speak their mind. I, I, my personality, I grew up in South Carolina, lived in Houston for the last 20 years, and my personality has always been, I'd rather have somebody tell me what they think about me to my face than uh, front of my face and then tell everybody else what they really think about me behind my back. So mm-hmm. I appreciate your personality, and I'm looking forward to it. Wow. That's, that's really how people should look at it, honestly. They should, they should look at it exactly the way you put it. I wish... The rest of America was like that. But people, what people don't know about me is what I have two different personalities. I have 
the one that's on social media on Twitter talking a whole lot of trash. And then I have this sports reporter and I feel like I can separate the two. And if you want to mix them together, I'm cool with that too. But I know how to talk sports and then I know how to talk shit. So if you, (laughs) they can kind of clash, but right now we're going to talk some sports. We're going to talk some sports and some trending topics around the NFL and everything. And, and I didn't follow you before, but I started following you last night. Kind of, kind of, you know, did a little, a little catching up on you and you seem like you belong on this podcast. You really do <laughs> seem like. Well, we yeah, have yeah, fun. I, I, yeah, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you got the two personalities. I think we all got a little bit of multiple personalities in us. So there's yeah. no telling what, which one's going to come out. I hope to pull a little bit of the crazy out of you. So <laughs> make should make it a little bit more entertaining. Hey, you never know. And like I told you, we're going to just let this thing flow. So without further ado, let's start off with some of the trending topics that are going on in the NFL. The most important one to me, and it's, you know, it's just how I feel. Adrian Peterson, out. They're trying to say three weeks. I'm saying three months. He, they lose him. They lose their quarterback. They lose their left tackle. It's just week three. A lot of people had them winning the division. Did you? I, I had them in the running for the division, but I felt the Green Bay Packers would eventually take that with Jordy coming back. Uh, all the multitude of options they have in the wide receiver core. But that being said, and I'll get back on Minnesota with Green Bay, it's just not clicking. And, right. and in the me- in the media, we have this, you know, we have this thing to where if we build a guy up on a pedestal, then it becomes to a point that we can't really criticize him, go back and criticize him. But I think it's come to the point that you have to ask, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, there's other guys that's probably not maximizing their potential in that offense, but there's also Aaron Rodgers missing basic throws that that he's been hitting for years. So there's something just not right in Green Bay and Mm. back on Minnesota. Their defense is one of the top defenses in the NFL. My Lord, that front seven is nasty. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't ready for it. I really didn't think it was going to be this nasty. And watching them just two weeks now, it looks really serious. Like it looks like it looks. It's reminding me of that Ravens defense from back in the day. Yeah, with, I, go ahead. Yeah, I like the comparison to the Ravens defense. And what makes it even scarier is the fact that Xavier Rose, Sharif Floyd, they've got three, four key players on that defense that aren't healthy and haven't been out there. So when they come back, it's going to be a monster. Mm -mm -mm. And I'm not a defensive kind of girl for the NFL. I know that your bread and butter is on offense. And so this is one of the times where I feel like, you know what, this defense really can take them at least deep into the playoffs, so long as they solidify that quarterback position. And they brought in Sam Bradford. A lot of people didn't agree with that because he's really kind of been like like the Derrick Rose um, of the NFL for the most part. He came in <laughs> right. and bought, they beat the, the dog shit out of, uh, who was that, um, the Packers. I, yeah, I, I know, I'm right. not sure what I was watching. I, I don't, what happened? <laughs> Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was surprised. I definitely didn't like the trade to give up a first round and a conditional fourth round for Sam Bradford to bring him in. Screen panic mode. That being said, Sam Bradford just clicked in that offense, and the way he was looking for Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph, he, he 
he knew how to run that offense. He ran it flawlessly, and I mean, I, I, w- I was very impressed by it. Now, I'm still concerned, like you mentioned, Adrian Peterson out. Now you lose Matt Khalil, the, and and obviously when you talked about Sam Bradford coming in, and people's going to say, well, you know, this might be good for Minnesota. Adrian Peterson's lost a step. No, I went back and watched the film. Adrian hasn't lost a step. That offensive line wasn't open yeah. holes. They were being dominated by Tennessee up front. They were being dominated by Green Bay up front so losing adrian peterson we can talk age all we want to but that that's just media talk adrian is still one of the top backs in nfl and one of the top three right there with jim brown and barry sanders in nfl history so losing him at any any age is not a good thing for offense right i agree with you i I will never in my life ever in my life pick against adrian peterson quite simply because he goes out there whether he has an offensive line or not and he makes people miss He's incredible. The problem now with him being out, and I know that they have Asiata. Is that how you pronounce his damn name? Yeah, they got Matt Asiata. They also got Jared McKinnon, McKinnon and they signed Ronnie Hillman. Great, great guys. Like they, they all three together can assist in helping Sam Bradford relieve some of the pressure. But they're not Adrian Peterson. So do you see? Do you see defenses coming in and saying? You know what? You're going to have to run the ball with those other guys, or or, or people just going to play them straight up now because Sam Bradford had that great game. But are we going to see that every week? You know, are, are people going to put pressure on the receivers to 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 maybe put two two safeties up there and make him throw um through smaller windows? Or what what do you think defenses are going to do with that now? Yeah, I, I like the fact that you mentioned that, yeah, Bradford had a good week, but you're one of the few people that it seems that realize that uh, we get carried away week to week from the right. NFL. Just because what we saw with Sam Bradford this past week, I mean, he played great. It was awesome. I'm still not ready to crown him yes. that this offense is just going to click week in, week out. He's still very dependent on his top two options of Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph. So you got the capability to come in there, stack the box against them, like you mm-hmm. talked about, bringing those safety down there in the box, put put seven, eight guys down there, shut down a guy like Jarek McKinnon or Matt Asiata, and then you bracket coverage against Kyle, Kyle Rudolph and Stephon Diggs because Charles Johnson, week one, he had six targets and had one catch. Mm. He's not making anybody pay, and until they elevate Laquan Treadwell as that number two guy or they get more out of Cordero Patterson, then the offense is going to be limited. So I think that defense, like you said a little bit earlier, is going to have to carry this team on its back. Mm-mm-mm. And if there was any defense in the league that could do it, I would say it's the Vikings defense because, quite honestly, I, I'm impressed. I can't even front. I, I am I am a true believer in Aaron Rodgers, and I know some things aren't going right, but the way they had him looking, they made him look like we should all question whether Aaron Rodgers should be in the discussion of the best quarterback in the league this year. Like, it was it – was, yeah. It was intense. I don't think you're overstating that, Miko. I, I, I definitely don't think you are. His footwork off. Uh, yeah. His footwork's off. He's missing easy throws, <laughs> crossings over the middle. He's not looking for Jared Cook, who's uh, looking at the film. Jared Cook is consistently open. So you're, you're right. Something's off. But like you said, again, uh, we're only two weeks into the season. So there's, right. there's nothing there's to time. say they can't get this back and clicking. Right. So let's fast forward. Let's say Adrian Peterson um, – I'm estimating around December he's healthy enough to actually run and do all these things. Let's say we've saw we've seen Adrian Peterson for the last time of 2016. Do you think that they bring him back next season, considering that he's had another injury and he's due, I think, maybe 17 million, six million dollars signing bonus in March? What do you think happens with Adrian Peterson? Does, Does he ever see the new stadium next year? 
That's a very interesting question. Look, looking forward to next season. Uh, yeah, if if he's wanted to play, you know you can find running backs in the draft. You're not going to find Adrian Peterson. Well, it's funny. One of the guys that's uh, compared most to Adrian Peterson, Leonard Fournette, you might actually, might actually find him in the draft. Yeah. I don't know if the Vikings would actually be there to select him, but if you can find that cheaper back, and if you're, and let's say a Leonard Fournette falls to the Minnesota Vikings, say they go nine and seven, eight and eight, somewhere around there, middle of the draft, and with running backs not going high, with the exception of Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley in recent years, then maybe. Some get a guy like Leonard Fournette, you get him on the rookie wage scale, and then with the last CBA that went in, you got a fifth-year option. So now you get this guy for five years. If that situation plays out like that where it unfolds, then I, I see I see a possibility where you're able to cut ties with Adrian Peterson. But if, if your guy's in-house or what you have now, then, then I think Adrian comes back with a re- restructured deal. I just could not imagine Adrian Peterson in another uniform. It's not even it's not even something I can consider. Like I, I really truly feel like he they just have to make it work. I mean, they've been through so many other issues and things with contracts and then with the situation with his son. And the the organization has shown that they will stand by him and they, they believe in him and, and he's a Viking. So I really can't see I can't see an outcome where he's not there. There's obviously gonna be a restructure, you know, but I really hope that they do find a way to keep him because Adrian Peterson deserves to be in the purple and gold next season. My goodness. Pray pray for them because the Vikings, th- this was all set up to be an incredible season for them, and it just seems like things just keep falling apart. You know, but they're, they're hanging. They're doing a great job, and that defense is doing well. And so I guess we'll just wait and see. You know, but yeah, 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 absolutely right. They keep taking these uh, punches, but you know, st- standing up, they had, they haven't hit the Kansas. I mean, we're talking about a team that's two and zero with the divisional win over the Green Bay Packers. Right. They also won a hard fought out uh, defensive battle with the Titans, where that defense scored two mm-hmm. touchdowns. So I think everything's in front of them when you look at the Minnesota Vikings. And like you said, this was this is with a lot going wrong. The defensive injuries, Matt Khalil, yeah. Adrian Peterson, Teddy Bridge, and Bridgewater. A lot of people want to grade Bridgewater off of what they saw last year. But if you saw the preseason and the offseason, this guy, it's like we forget that the Specifically, the quarterback position it developed so yes. much in those first first three four years, and I think Bridgewater was getting ready to add a new up. element to his game. Yeah, definitely was trending up. So this will be interesting. I'm definitely going to keep my eye on the Vikings and see how they they get through all of this um, madness. Um, somebody else I've been keeping my eye on is Darrell Revis, and the main reason I talk about Darrell Revis so much is because before. Um, Darrell Reeves has always been my favorite cornerback and my husband became my favorite cornerback you know obviously but um, Darrell Reeves has always been great they talk about his island and and all the great things he did with the Jets and I've I I said two years ago that Darrell Reeves was falling off and people like killed me for it and I was like listen this is my favorite corner he's been my favorite corner since before I met my husband so I've watched him play like literally like he was my husband for a long time and I noticed a difference in him after the sur- after the surgery. You know, when he was with Tampa, I noticed that he was never fast. Darrell Reeves was never fast, okay? But he was a very physical, aggressive, smart 
corner and he's still all those things but when you lose that step and now the league has turned to this whole you can't touch the receiver after five yards kind of thing that's a disadvantage for a corner like Darrell Revis who likes to play that pressure um, type of uh, corner and get his hands on you and, and push you and all those things those things are illegal now now granted he does get away with some of the calls but have you seen a, a difference and 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 what do you think of Darrell Revis in 2016 it reminds me of Champ Bailey. I mean, like if we're being if we're being honest, I, I, the way you're talking about Darrell Revis reminds me of, of Champ Bailey. Uh, you know, uh, close to about a decade before, and how I mean, how superior he was. And then we saw him towards the end of his career. I think it was a matchup with Terrell Owens where I just had to come to the real, realization: this isn't the same Champ Bailey. This isn't the same guy that you just put out there on an island, island like they like to say, and ask him to shut down guys because he can't do that. He can still be a top quality cornerback in the NFL. You can still put him on opposing number one wide receivers, but you're not going to have see, probably the most overstated term in the NFL is a shut down corner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're asking these guys to to go out there when when you play pee wee football when you when you guys come up playing football these coaches in pee wee and middle school and high school they take the most the biggest the fastest the most athletic guys and they put them on offense right then they take the, the, the you know the cornerbacks that still have athletic ability but for whatever reason they put on that corner and then you get to the NFL the best of the best and you're asking these cornerbacks to to be better than the best wide receivers. I mean, let's be honest, that's what you have to be. You have to take the best athletes in the world and you don't get to dictate the movement. No. You have to mirror the movement uh, movement abilities of the best athletes in the world and instantaneously. So if there's just a tenth of a decline, you start seeing the production dip like what we saw with Darrell Revis. Let, let's talk about your husband because it's not often I get to get on a sports program and, <laughs> and speak with somebody who, who's actually married and is sitting there watching every single rep of their spouse. And, and it's a unique dynamic with you being married to Brent Grimes and also having such a deep tell you know you know love and passion for football the way you study the game well with your husband he has that athleticism you know when he came out people dinged him for a size but he has that athleticism that what, what i called it when i when i saw him and watched him early on was that instant up and what i mean by that is when he sees the ball and reacts he has that instant ability to, to stick with these top-notch wide receivers, even if they're 6'3", six, 6'4", six, because he has these instant hops. It's almost right. like a trigger where he just shoots up and gets the vertical. I'm not exactly sure what Brent's ver- vertical was coming out, but he's able to just release and, and get to the high point and break it. If there's a guy similar to what Brent Grimes uh, was when he came out, it's Jason Verrett for San Diego who reminds me of your husband. Wow. That's interesting because he, he... – <laughs> I don't even gonna get into that. But that's interesting. I, I, I feel you on that. I do feel you. And, and do you think that, cause th- this is how I feel about the NFL and a lot of the ways the media, um, treats players. You have a player like Darrell Revis who came in, um, high expectations. You know, everybody's patting him on his back, you know, giving him all these props. And then he, they created the Revis Island. And now it appears that the media is starting to destroy him. You know, do you think it's fair? for the media to destroy the same players that they built up? Or do you feel like 
it's it, it shouldn't happen. Like what 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 is your feeling on that? Because right now what I'm seeing is granted, I do say that Darrell is losing a step and, and it's not as good and, and I question whether, you know, it's a problem for the Jets, but he's getting trashed. Like he legit is getting trashed to the point where there's there's allegations that his agent is putting the, the um the info out. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but Allegedly. Yeah, his former his former agent. Yeah, that's who Daryl Daryl Reeves said. His former agent is the one that he's almost positive that's putting out this information about him being out of shape this offseason. Well, you know, Brandon Marshall said he was out of shape. Brandon Marshall said on the <laughs> post game show that give him until week five, he might be a little out of shape. Now, to me, I I am a basketball player. I played professional basketball for seven years. Played my whole life. Basketball cardio and football cardio are completely two different things, okay? Now, Absolutely. football cardio, there's two different sides of it. There's certain players like the corners, the safeties, and um, the quarterback and the offensive line. Those four positions don't sub. They do not sub in the game. If they sub in those positions, somebody screwed up or somebody got hurt, something like that. So right. those positions, they have to be in a different type of shape than everyone else. Who, If a receiver runs a go route, 50-yard, 60-yard go route, and he catches, you know, he's a little out of breath, somebody subs right in for him. The corner has to go right back out there, and if they do another right. go route, he's in trouble. So the, the Reed is saying that, and people say he might be out of shape and it's it's rolling to week three. I'm concerned for that because he went through the entire training camp. So how long does it take to get in shape? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an excellent <laughs> point. I, I really love the point you bring up that not, not many people – Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an excellent point to where you, you could run 50, 60 yards downfield on a go route. Uh, I covered the, the Houston Texans a lot, obviously being based out of Houston down here. And you got a guy, Will Fuller, who runs 4-3 speed. Like you said, and the, the numerous times they're stretching the field with Will Fuller, if you're a corner – and you're having to cover Will Fuller. Let's say let's say the opposing corner is mirroring or shadowing DeAndre Hopkins, right. and now you're having to sit there and run go route after go route. You can take Will Fuller out for a breather, yeah. bring in a Jalen Strong or a Braxton Miller out the slot. That corner is staying out there. If right. there's 70 defensive plays, that corner is usually playing 65 to 70 defensive snaps, and the only reason they're coming off is if it's a sub-package, but even on sub-packages on your outside corners for the most they part, stay. they're staying out there or either shifting into the slot. Yeah, so do you think that this could be an issue for the Jets? I mean, they, they, they have a great defense. Their front seven is always getting to the quarterback and all those things. And I believe they brought Darrell Revis in to, to lock up whoever the opposing receiver is, basically saying, don't worry about helping him. Don't worry about too much, you know, safety help. This is Darrell Revis. Now, does that defense have to change anything because Revis is looking a little slower and people are starting to beat him? Those big plays make make or break your, your game sometimes. And if you have two of those big plays and you don't get a turnover to, to negate that, that can be the difference between a win and a loss. Yeah, I mean, I would. And it's not only because Darrell Revis I would do it. There's a guy that the Texans signed as an undrafted free agent coming out of little North Dakota State. Now, a lot of people are talking about North Dakota State because of Carson Wentz, but they've been putting out NFL talent. And the only reason Marcus Williams went undrafted was the fact that he played at North Dakota State before all this talent really started to emerge from there. Now five-time straight champs, uh, national champions. Well, Marcus Williams, when you watched him in college and you evaluate his film, this guy was a ball hawk. And despite not even playing... 30% of the reps of most of the cornerbacks, he was there at, at, right at top with the NFL lead in interceptions last year. He's tied with Marcus Peters with two interceptions this year. 
coming from a North Dakota State program to the NFL, yeah, there's going to be a learning cur- curve, and you're going to take some bumps along the way. But I think the Jets should go more to a left corner, right corner. Yeah. With Marcus Williams and Darrell Revis, and take some of that stress off of Revis, asking him, "Hey, go up against AJ Green and, and cover him throughout the game when when he goes inside, outside, left side, right side. You're putting so much on his plate. Ease up his plate and realize that he is an aging corner. He is, and I think I wonder because uh, you know I I don't know Darrell Revis personally, but we do know each other. You know, when I see him, I've seen him, you know, at the Pro Bowl, and you know, just here and there. We know each other, and I feel like he is prideful. I'm not sure he wants to be the corner that plays cover two, like, you know, uh, Josh Norman and, and Sherman playing three week and all that stuff. I feel like he is prideful. He wants to be that Revis Island type of corner, and I hope that he doesn't allow his pride to get in the way of winning games because I do see the Jets making the playoffs this year. I don't see them, you know, taking the crown from the Patriots, but I do believe with that defense and the way the offense is playing that they can get into the playoffs, but he might have to humble himself a little bit and, and take a, a more of a back back role and sharing the, the, the sharing the, the, the load in that secondary so that they can, you know, move forward. So I, I'll be interesting. I'll be interested to see how the jets, um, play this week and see if they change that role for Revis. God, good talk, man. I fucking love you. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think uh, a lot of times when you're looking for that uncomfortable conversation in the NFL, the first thing I look to is who who's the coach or who's the defensive mm-hmm. guy to be able to go to him and have that talk. I think the Jets have the right guy in place and Todd Bowles that he can have that conversation with Revis and, and get the message message across without it without it crossing you know, Revis to where he gets upset. Right. I feel you. Um, so let's talk about the other guy that thinks he's the number one corner, Josh Norman. He's playing uh, the Giants this year in a different uniform, whole nother defense, whole nother offense. Josh Norman got a wake-up call. I think the world, the, the football world got a wake-up call when Josh Norman went to the Redskins because I've been, I, 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 I study corners. This is what I do. That's why I get mad when people argue with me about it. It's not, I don't study <laughs> right. D linemen. I don't study linebackers. I don't study, I do study receivers. That's probably the second position I study the most. But I study corners. And I kept telling people that Josh Norman has never, I have never, in the entire time he's been in the NFL, seen him pick up a wide receiver the full game. Not one time. The whole game. Now, there are instances where there's a third and something, and, and they say go to him and all that. But the entire game, I've never seen it. So he gets to Washington, and people are like, why isn't he shadowing Des Bryant? Why isn't he sh-? Like, what, what do, do people not watch the game? Because they all they do is listen to the media say he's a shutdown corner, and he shut down this receiver, and he shut down this receiver. And I'm like, he actually didn't. It was a team shutdown. It's called cover three. One of the best defenses to play in the NFL, if you ask me. And so now people are starting to wait for these huge matchups where he goes up against a guy one-on-one, and it's not happening. And they're, now they're saying, well, why, why was he saying he's the best? Like, do you, did, did you ever think that Josh Norman was the best corner in the NFL? No, I thought he was – at the beginning of last year, I called him the most underrated corner. Okay. But then you can go from underrated to overrated Quickly. In, in, <laughs> a, in a heartbeat. It, <laughs> if, the, if the right media out, outlet picks you up and labels you something, then like you said, and you ask the question, are fans not watching these games? No, they're not. 
And and when fans watch the game, the large majority of them are watching the ball, the ball. and where I'll the ball it. goes. They're not watching alignments. They're not watching how the defense plays. They're not seeing if the pass rush is uh, fluctuating the, the coverage ability of the secondary. There's guys who are beat routinely every week but because aired. the pass rush is so good. Yeah, the pass rush is so good that the, the quarterback doesn't have time to get the ball out. So that quarterback looks like he has great co- – I mean, quarterback looks like he's got great coverage mm-hmm. ability. But the matter of fact, he if you take away that pass rush – then the guy's a mediocre quarter at best. It's funny because the same people that will sit there and tell you, and I like Richard Sherman, so this isn't a shot at him, but the same people that will tell you Richard Sherman is the best corner in the NFL and will take him over Patrick Peterson will come back and say, well, you can't call Josh Norman the best corner because he doesn't mirror or shatter the number one. Well, Well, Richard Sherman, for the most part... (laughs) Yeah, for the most part of his career, he was a left corner. Now, he started doing a little bit more last year after Patrick Peterson called him out, yep. and the team decided to go that way. But before that, he, he wasn't a mirror corner. He wasn't a shadow corner. He wasn't t- targeting the opposing team's number one. So you could still go to your, your guy, and you could dictate the game plan based off of that. Uh, but now with Josh Norman, the media, uh, and there's a lot of people in the media that that's lazy, and they don't go out there and study the film. So they probably just realized, like, hey, Josh, why is Josh? Norman not going out there against Antonio Brown right. because that's not his game. It's not like his you game said, at not all. What he did in Carolina, right? Exactly. So now we've got this matchup with him and Odell Beckham. I'm sure you have been keeping up with the drama that they've had. That game, first of all, Odell Beckham, who I think is, I hung out with him this off season in L.A. He is a good fucking time. Let me tell you, he is good time. He's fun to be around. But when I saw that game. I wanted to whoop his ass because I just felt like he crossed <laughs> so many lines as far as just being a professional. Absolutely. And he, and he did some things that I do not agree with. And I'm so glad that he never did it to my husband because granted, my husband is, is, a, is one of those walk away. I don't say too much. I just do my job. But I don't right. know. I might have snapped on him ha- had he done that to my husband quite simply because it was just a very, very disrespectful thing. And Josh Norman allowed it to keep happening. And I, I was proud of him a, a little bit. I wanted to call him a bitch for a second. But then I said, right, you know right. what, I'm, I'm going to be proud of him because he didn't step out of his character. Like he, he fought back a little bit, but he, he, kept, he, he stayed in the game. Well- yeah, he fall back when it went too far. The yes. shot to the head is the part. I like oh, I man. like when players mix it up. I yeah. love the Andre Johnson, Cortland Finnegan. That, yeah. That's 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 me. That's my personality. Get in there and mix it up. Show that you're passionate about it. Don't let another man you know take yeah. yours. I mean, I, I love that. But when when Odell Beckham took the shot at Josh Norman's head, at that point, I'm like, all right, it's time to take helmets off yeah. the squad. It's it's a whole nother ball game right now. But Josh Absolutely. Norman stayed the course. He stayed. He, he I, I don't know how he did it. What What are you expecting to see this week when they match up? Because there's been a lot of trash talk. Josh Norman said a lot of the players were going to be headhunting Odell just because the, the corners and the defense feel like he violated, you know, the, the code. What do you expect to see? Do you think there's going to be more fights? Do you think it's going to just be a chill game? Like, what are you anticipating? Well, what makes it – intriguing is that and and let me add this into it too i think it was last week or maybe the week before don't quote me on this but josh norman got into it on the sideline with with one of his teammates i can't can't remember if it was mm. bruton or exactly who it was in the secondary I think I know what you're talking but, about. yeah yeah so they kind of got in there and then d'angelo hall of all people was the one <laughs> they are trying to help get cool cool heads to prevail but d'angelo hall 
man, he, he's got that fire. We all saw what happened on Hard Knocks last year with DeAndre Hopkins and, and mm-hmm. D'Angelo Hall. Hall's going to get in the air. He's going to talk trash. I see him as if this were an opposing team and not somebody in your own secondary, I think he's an instigator. And now he's at that safety position. I think you're right. I think he's going to be flying off the ball and putting an exclamation point on some of those hits anytime Beckham, come, Beckham comes across the middle or he gets the opportunity. So uh, D'Angelo Hall strikes me. I don't know him personally. I'm not going to act like I do. Uh, but he strikes me as a guy, from what I see on film, as a guy that, that wants to go to battle with his teammates. He wants to go out there and, if, and you know, you know how it is when you grow up. When you grow up, you tell your friends, like, hey, look, I'm about to get into it, these dudes. Right. And if you don't got my back in this, then after I fight, then I'm, I'm fighting. I'm coming you. to get you. <laughs> you know, right. that, that, that's the code. And that's what I get from D'Angelo Hall, that that's his code. So if Norman's got beef, I think Hall's got beef. Mm. And I think that secondary, they, they'll take some exception. I don't think it would be as heightened as what it would have been if he was still in Carolina, though. Yeah, because he doesn't even have the same team. He doesn't even have the same right like, offense like it's it's a completely different ball game he got the check but he's gotten humbled basically he's not yelling that he's the number one corner anymore have you noticed that he's not saying that anymore you know well, it's funny a lot a lot of these corners and a lot of these players they realize the corners well, outside of Deion Sanders, he was, he was the trendsetter. <laughs> a lot right. of these corners have followed the model that the wide receivers have put out there. These wide receivers were labeled as divas. But if you notice those cor- wide yeah. receivers that got slapped with the diva label by the media, all those guys went on and got paid. Well, the hey. corner said here and said, well, you know what? Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman saw that, and he said, well, look, man, if you can pound your chest when you have a good game, I'm going to start pounding my chest, and I'm going to go get a paycheck. And then after each of these guys get their paycheck, get all of a sudden they, they, they dial it back. Richard right. Sherman's not as outlandish and talk as much right. as he did the first couple years in the league. He got paid. Josh Norman got paid. Once you got uh, twenty plus million in the bank account, you don't need it all. Uh, uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin speaks for you. And see, people keep telling me to shut up about my husband. No, he hasn't gotten one of those paychecks like everybody else. Granted, we're not broke; we're doing great. But my husband right. has never gotten paid like these top corners have and, and and i always tell him a part of that is because he doesn't talk because he doesn't beat his chest and talk about how great he is but you know there's 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 no way anybody i i always add, add patrick peterson to this discussions of who's the best corner in the league quite simply because he has taken on the wide receiver number one multiple games and yes he gets burned but that's what happens when you put your dick on the table and you figure out yeah. who's is bigger, like that's the only way you can tell me that you're a number one corner is if you take the risk of shadowing the number one receiver throughout the season. Like that, that's the only way I will even discuss it because I know what cover two and, and three week and, and four and all those defenses do. That, those are great defenses. It's no shade. That's what I believe is needed in today's NFL. But when you have opportunities, when Patrick Peterson, when Patrick Peterson came out, I, I my nickname for him was the prototype. People were saying he was too big; he would have to move to safety and all that. I said, "No, this is nonsense." His movement skill at his size makes him the prototype. Patrick Peterson is truly a number one corner and a shutdown corner type because he can play inside, outside, mirror. He does to, to have that size. And, you know, high size length and speed to be able to go up against your top most physical wide receivers like a Brandon Marshall. 
but also to get down there with some shifty slot guys and still play uh, coverage with them. I mean, that's, that's a rare skill right. set that, that few have. Right, and I ne- that's why I never disrespect him. I always – I don't disrespect a lot of the players. I just say what what's true and what's not. But I, right. I, I've always respected him for that fact that he does get out there and put himself on the line for his team. And, and, and I don't know if that's the coaches or if he's asking to do that, but I always respected him for, for that because you have to take the L's and the W's when you do that. And a lot of the Absolutely. corners that are beating their chest and talking the most trash aren't taking on those receivers. And that's why it gets annoying to me, you know? So um, do you think that um, we, we saw what the uh, Steelers did with um, Norman, they put a, uh, <clears throat> a B on the other side, right? And let him torch the other corner. Do you think the Giants are going to allow Odell? Because we all know Norman's going to stay on that left side. That's pr- really what he's going to do. Do you see the sure. Giants putting Odell on there the majority of the time, or do you see them doing what the Steelers did and putting him on the other side and forcing the the, the Redskins to make a decision? As you know, one thing coaches could care less about is, is players' beef. Coaches have a job, and they, they get paid millions as well to go out there and win a game plan. If you know, if if the Giants go out there and win three up north, they win thirty five twenty seven. If Odell Beckham has zero catches and gets shut down by Josh Norman, or if he goes for two hundred yards, the Giants head coach McAdoo, he's not going to care. All he's going to care about is that win in the column because that shines positive on him. He doesn't care about the beef of Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr. So I think it with with that in mind that you take your guy and you put him in the best situation to succeed. And if that means he takes the majority of the snaps uh, out of the slot or if he's out there uh, up against Bashad Breeland, the corner that, that was lit up, but it's still a very talented corner, mm-hmm. but he was lit up by Antonio Brown. I think a lot of best. people forget yeah. that. <laughs> Antonio That's Brown's not no best. slouch. Uh, he didn't just get beat by some no-name. Hello? That's the probably him and Julio. I got Julio Jones at number one. Anybody that argues A.B., I'm not arguing with you. I, I can totally see sure. why you would think Antonio Brown's a number one receiver. No argument. Julio's my favorite, but A.B. is there. So people that think that, oh, he got burned. Yeah, it happens because he's the best. Like, it, it, it happens. You know, so I don't know. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, if there's going to be any fights. I hope Odell learned from the, the BS that he did last year. I, and I hope I'm, – I'm hoping for a good game. I'm, I really think the Giants are going to smack him. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but I do think the Giants are going to smack him. Their defense is looking pretty good as well. Yeah, it's, it, I don't think they changed the game plan because it's a matchup with Josh Norman. And that's not a slight against Josh Norman. It's just like, hey, you know, we got these plays that we really like. Well, maybe Beckham is lined up with Norman and, and running a, a sluggo against Norman that they feel is effective off of that right side more. And maybe that's the, you know, maybe that's the, the field side. You know, and they and they want more room to get space against Josh Norman. But then if it's flipped up in the field side, the left side, and they want the sluggo with more field, and they don't feel the safety can cover it, then at that point you go to the left side. So I don't think the coaches are going to let what what the media is talking about and what's going on between Beckham and Norman going to change their game plan. So I don't think they have a special game plan when they when they call plays for Norman. So I think he'll line up all over the field. Great, great. I, I, I agree. I do think that's right. Let's uh, jump subjects. Let Cam Newton and Kaepernick, even though Cap's not playing, he played against Cam Newton today, according to everybody else. So we have this battle of the all lives matter versus black lives matter. That was the that was the bowl. All lives versus black lives bowl Sunday. Obviously, all lives matter one. <laughs> 
Cam Newton won the game. He's, he should have won. They're the better team. But um, <clears throat> can I ask you your race? Because I'm not sure at all. I, I got to be honest. What's your yeah, race? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm white. You know, Just I'm white. white. Uh, what did you say? Just white. Nothing else? No, nothing else. And my, my black, uh, my wife is black and Asian. My, my kids are obviously black, Asian, and white. about you. Ooh, what did you say? Nothing. Keep going. <laughs> so uh, I, when I came up, I grew up in South Carolina. Now I'm in Houston. South Carolina, as you can imagine, was probably 20 to 30 years behind times. But what I what I came to realize, though, and I grew up in church, what I came to realize is that uh, we <laughs> we as a society puts more stress on it than it has to be. But now at this point, now there needs to be a stress on it because things don't seem to be progressing. Now that video and camera phones are out there, you can actually see. Before, it's it's one person's word against, against a, right. a, an officer or something. And people are going to say, oh, okay, well, it's, and the officer could say anything. Well, now you have video evidence, multiple video evidence, time and time again. And I put a fo- post on Facebook, so you can tell I'm almost 40 if I got a Facebook page. <laughs> I just <laughs> so, got one I, two weeks ago, and I don't even know how to use it, I swear to God. Right, right. So I put a photo. Fo- post on Facebook, and my biggest problem was, I, I was reading something that Martin Luther King Jr., uh, he wrote, and it, and it was his letter from jail, I forget, uh, there was a great writer who tweeted out and broke down Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from jail, and how it coincided with, with things that's going on with the Colin Kaepernick situation, it was beautifully done, if you get a chance, go read that, because I mean, Definitely. it's just eye-opening, and one of the things that really just struck a chord with me, in that letter Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, 50 plus years ago from jail was that uh was that uh he he was shot by the white churches and that when he reached out to the white churches you know these christians that you talk i mean i grew up in church five years old seeing it jesus loves the little children of the world red and yellow black and white i mean these are the lyrics you're singing in church but then i'm going and i'm looking from church to church to church and and they're segregated and we're talking about the, the 80s and the 90s, on into the 2000s. And, and then I'm hearing racist jokes, like, told outside church after the church is over and all this. And I'm sitting and I'm like, look, the hypocrisy here. So, it, yeah, I'm sitting here and I'm a night person. I'm up to 2, 3, 4, 5 in the morning. And I'm just sitting there and it's just, it's just pressing on my soul. And so I just finally write. And I, I look, I'm like, what's the Bible? Because there's all these Christians and and you know all these other religious backgrounds that talk about serving a god of love and i'm like but your god don't tell you to serve a god that that loves white people right. <laughs> you know what I mean? he doesn't tell you to serve a god that that loves black people and so it's just you know i started just writing this post and i copied something about god's views on racism and everything and i mean it's on facebook i don't want to rehash the whole thing here but it's on my facebook if you get a chance to read it What's it's just facebook? something it's just more of a uh, it's at jason braddock okay. uh, and same as my twitter at jason braddock jason with a y but it's just more of a call to arm as people of faith that, you know, when you're judged, it tells you for God to love unconditionally, and God made all men created in his image and to love unconditionally. He doesn't tell you to un- love unconditionally, and it just surprises me in the year 2016 how many people think that they've lived this life of, of racism and hate that they think they're going to get there at the pearly gates and he's going to open the book and say, oh yeah, go on in. You treated white people well, or you treated black <laughs> people well, you know? I'm like, man, this 
you're, you're preaching and you're serving and worshiping love, but yet the, your heart's full of hate. I just don't understand it. So, yeah, I'll get convictions around 3, 4 o'clock in the oh, morning. Yeah. I just have to put it out there. Because yeah. like I was telling you yesterday, I, I, I speak my mind, too. One thing I respect Good about you, you, people might not always agree what you say or what mm-hmm. you do, but nobody has to wonder. I wonder what she really thinks about me. I know. That's why I get mad when people write articles and they, they take a tweet of mine and they say, what I think she meant was, and they go off into something that I didn't even write. And I'm like, I'm an open book. I am an open right. book. If you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. Now, if it's something stupid, I'll probably ignore it. But I say exactly how I feel. Now, I, I do have to use the 140 characters properly. I got in trouble for abbreviating a few months ago. Lord Jesus, I, I won't abbreviate <laughs> right. Jewish ever again, people. I'm so sorry that I didn't know that that was anti-Semitic. But I say exactly what I what I what I mean, and and I, that's why I never apologized or took back the statement about the Jewish situation. If I took, I don't, I don't mean to come off anti-Semitic by abbreviating Jew, Jewish for Jew, but I, I meant the statement. I meant the entire statement, and 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 people have a problem with that, and and I'm sorry, that's your problem. It's not my problem. But but a problem that I have with Cam Newton is we I I've, I was rooting for him, and, and Cam Newton was opening up. Um, the conversation about the black quarterback in the NFL and how that position is going to be changing and the NFL needs to be ready for it and they don't like that he's black and all this stuff. And then he comes out after he almost goes undefeated and gets to the Super Bowl. And now all of a sudden he's saying there is no racism in the NFL and, and we're all the same color. And I haven't, I have a problem with that. And my problem with that is he's, he's now not being real. Last year and the year before he was being real. He was being honest and saying things. And now I feel like he's maybe saying things that he's being told to say and that's an issue for, for me because I, I the biggest issue I have with any of the athletes that are, are are open to protest or not is this if you don't agree with the way the players are protesting there's nothing wrong with that you should just do what it is that you do coming out and speaking out against it is my problem if you have a problem with the way they're protesting keep it to yourself because you're in the way of the movement and all it's going to do is make me think that someone's telling you to say these ignorant things. For example, Cam Newton did a press conference the other day, and he said, they, they he before when he was saying there was no racism and he doesn't agree with the way that people are protesting all these things and he doesn't believe that these issues are, are really the issues. The issue that he keeps saying is the issue is black-on-black crime. And my my issue with that is this. There is going to be crime across America. White on white crime, Asian on Asian crime, black on black crime. There is one city in the United States, one city, South Side Chicago, that has an, an incredible homicide rate. But for you to just assume that that city and its crime rate speaks for the rest of the United States is not only ignorant, but it's disrespectful to the people that look just like you. You know, and so that's almost like me saying um, Beverly Hills and the way Beverly Hills is constructed is the way that all the cities in America is like it's not. And so when you say that the issue is black on black crime, it's almost saying that criminals are equal to the law enforcement, people that are sworn in to protect and serve. You cannot compare police crime to civilian crime. There's no way for me to compare those two. 
No, you, you can't because one is held to a higher duty. And people are comparing the numbers of, oh, well, the real issue is black-on-black crime. And, and you, know, the, you know, look how few the cop homicides are. The fact that you're you know, just shrugging off like you're missing the message. Yeah. It, it, let me go on a little tirade here. Oh, right uh, here with Colin Kaepernick taking the knee and all the players, you know, they're really – well, I applaud Colin Kaepernick. We're having this discussion right now because of Colin Kaepernick, because of a football player. At the end of the day, and no disrespect to your husband, I know it's his profession, but But it's just just a a football player. Yeah, it's not any. He's making important decisions in the world to play for lots of money, and he decided that watching genocide in America, and I don't think that's overstating it. I often wonder, like, how all the people in Germany could just sit back as this country decides, you know what, we're going to kill off all the Jewish people. All right, let's all sign off. And then as this starts happening, you know, like, where was the stop? And I'm not saying America's doing it. I'm not saying America's Adolf Hitler. What I'm saying, though, is that there, there's a genocide of where black people are being killed by law officers, right. people that are are paid, and their job is to uphold the law, and they're killing. They're killing innocent Americans. Let's take race out of it. I know we can't, but for the sake of this right. discussion, let's take race out of it. We sit here, and we get more upset, and I love America. I love what the soldiers do. My, my son is getting ready to go into the Marines next week. He's 18 years old. My wow. cousin's been in for 20 years. But I don't have to say that, you know, I don't have to state all this to prove myself. I don't have to prove there's one person that's going to judge me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to speak my mind. And my mind is that we get so worked up over a song. And mm-hmm. I know you love the national anthem and the flag and all that, but we care more about a song in 2016 and somebody, what they choose to do with their body during a song in 2016 than we care about the genocide and murdering of our fellow Americans on our soul. Our this isn't, soul, you're yes. talking about soldiers that take a decision to go fight for their country overseas and they die. And I applaud them for that. But what about the people that, that didn't sign up to, to be in war and just go down the street and get killed in front of their kids when they're reaching for something you asked them to reach for? Mm-hmm. You're more concerned and upset about uh, uh, a kneel during a song as a symbolism more than the actuality of your fellow American being killed on your soul, domestic soul. That's what's crazy to me is people people want you to take the race out of it and you can't. But even if you did, if you really sit down and think about it for one second, you would understand that this is a problem. The, the same things that that. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Lou Alcindor, who's, you know, Kareem now. All these people have been protesting since the 60s. And it's we're, we're arguing about the same issues. And people keep saying this whole thing. Well, there's progress. We're not the way we were in the 60s. Progress is not that we're still dying. Progress is that the country admits that there is a problem. And they take the knife out of the back and you begin to heal in that wound. You cannot say there's progress without heal happening. And with, with, with healing comes an admittance of a problem and s- somehow getting together to figure out how to solve the problem, how to fix it. Our country is not ready to admit that there's a problem. Therefore, we are not progressing. Progressing means that we admit it. Slowly not being slaves like we have slowly become not slaves. Like 
Right. Who says that's and progress? That's the next point. That was the next point I wanted to make uh, on on the the black on black crime. I want to go into this, and it's not to condone black on black crime, crime obviously, but if I don't state it, then somebody will say, "Oh, well, he just writes off black on black crime." No, is it? You know, let's let's try to use common sense when we're listening to the words that's being said here. And with that, what I want to say is that it, we. If if you're not listening to the conversations that's being had, you're automatically you're not listening to hear. You're listening to react. To react and, and I respond. think that's the problem that's going with these discussions. That you see a problem of an innocent man with his arms up, and you're quickly like, "All right, well, what about this?" You know, somebody tweeted me some seven year old girl that got murdered in Philadelphia. Where's the outrage of that? I'm like, why, why, why does it have to be one or the other? Right. Why, why are you distracting? You're not even addressing the story of a cop killing an unarmed man multiple and multiple times and these unarmed men happen to be the same race and more importantly these unarmed men happen to be Americans the people that you sit there and you're so patriotic about on Sunday during a song but then you lose that patriotism when your own American dies so right. the song's more valuable than the life that it represents it's, it's so, and here's it's so the problem we're talking about as being a white male I've been accused so many times, oh, he wants to be black, because I speak up for a cause that that isn't directly affected as the negative side on racialism and race relations, then it automatically becomes that he wants to be black. Again, you're looking for attack mechanism yep. instead of like, no, this is a man of, of love and integrity that grew up in church and wants to see one nation that, that's not divided. I want to see an actual United States, because it's never been united. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about black-on-black crime. We always talk about it, and then one of the first things when you talk to uh, you know fellow white Americans that that are not listening to the discussion, and this isn't to say that I'm the only white American. There's a ton of people out there of my race and other races that that have you know have an opinion on this and have these same conviction. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like the large minority or uh, majority that seems to be outspoken about it because they don't want to be attacked with, well, why does this concern you? Why why are you speaking out of this? You know, like I've heard a million times that he wants to be black because I'm speaking out about something to save fellow Americans. But on the black and black crime do you understand how ridiculous we sound as white Americans that any time that this comes up, we quickly throw in your face yeah. black-on-black crimes when we came to your country, kidnapped you, put you on a slave ship, brought you back to our country, and treated you like dogs and unlike humans? And then our next step up from that was like, all right, well, you're not dogs, but you're only three-fifths of a human. Mm-hmm. The voting rights that black Americans finally got, got was as three-fifths, not even a full human. We didn't even treat a few full <laughs> human, and you go from being a slave to this place where now there's a black president that came up in a nation where it was slave just a few hundred years ago. You've come up from that. You've come up from being three fifths of a human to being an American instead of applauding the coming up from from the poverty and all this. Of course the whole race of people is not going to overcome generations of being a slave. We never gave out 40 acres in a mule. No reparation, nothing. And and I think that's the biggest issue for me. I'm sorry that I cut you off. A lot of people say this phrase, and it bothers the entire shit out of me. They say things like, if black people aren't succeeding by now, it's their fault. They don't understand that it takes cultural, like, passings on for example when the land was being given out black people weren't given land 
They weren't given anything to start a foundation for their family. So now you see today, you're seeing people like my husband and other professional athletes, other singers, other actors who are now able to have land and establish like a foundation and, and have a business that they can pass on to their generations. Before, black people weren't able to do that. All we've ever been able to do is live check to check because we get the scraps, even though we're not slaves anymore they gave the slaves the scrap meat whatever meat they didn't want to eat whatever vegetables they didn't finish up that's exactly what's happening in this society where black people if you're not somehow some way able to get out of the ghetto and get out of the hood you end up dying there or living there forever and people don't seem to think that it has anything to do with the past and it's exactly why a lot of black americans can't move ahead and can't get ahead because of all the things that they've had to deal with from generational issues you know you have a family family members who never went to college never never even graduated high school you have these people teaching the black youth teaching them these are people that don't have hope and they're not giving hope to these other kids who grow up then to be hopeless black americans as well and the cycle continues no one sees this as a problem no one sees that the black community needs something to start off with something to help them get out of the hole otherwise you stay there and for for the you, you know this is going to, I mean, come, let's be real, Mika. There's going to be the ignorant people that Always. listen to this just for, just for the pure fact to find something to dissect. So I know the focus is going to be why a white male is so passionate about this. What I argue is why the entire American society, especially religious beliefs, like Christian beliefs like myself, why the white churches aren't out there arm-in-arm arm with the black churches. Right. Let's not act like there's not still a ton of segregated churches. If your belief is love, like your God teaches, why aren't you out there side by side? Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just, and, and here's another thing, though. If you really want uh, an extra cause, if it's me just being passionate about my fellow American is not good enough for you, for those that's going to come and attack me on Twitter, because you know it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. and it happens every I'm time right. I speak out on this. <laughs> then how about this? How about you put yourself in my show with, with mixed race kids? And if this is still allowed in society, is my kids, as ignorant as this sound in 2016, is my kid's shade light enough to where I don't have to worry about him getting killed by a cop? Mm -hmm. Or is my kid's shade too dark to where now he's a fear, fear factor? Exactly. I have that same issue. You know, a lot of people, some know this, but everybody doesn't know that my husband is white. Like, he's not just black. He's white. And my son, we live in Florida, so he's getting a darker skin tone. But these are the things that we worry about. My husband always tells me growing up, he's like, I never had any issues with the cops. They never bothered me. He grew up in the dirtiest part of Philly and where all the other black people had these issues. But he's very, very pale skin and curly hair. He kind of looks Jewish a little bit to me. But it's like he doesn't get he never got the issues that a lot of the, the browner skin or darker skin black people got so when he right. when he you know got with me and he's he didn't marry damn near a black activist he's just like what's going on what's going on so so in an in a, in a attempt to educate him on some things you know the black people dealt with and 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 brent is oblivious to a lot of things he doesn't watch the news he doesn't he doesn't watch anything he's he's afraid of america he's just like this country is crazy you know just the things that are happening i can, I like, can tell you but now he's concerned now he's concerned because he has a son that's brown and now it's like, Absolutely. wait a minute, wait a minute. My son could be at risk for these type of things, you know. So it wakes you up a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. You know, and, I, and, and I, growing up as a as a as a you know white teenager, 
that didn't, you know, that didn't let race factor in, in, into any decision he made as a kid in rural South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my wife, she came to visit me from Houston back in the early 2000s when we were just dating. And I had a convertible at the time. Uh, and so the convertible tops down and she, her jaws just dropped by the people just turning in their oh car of every God. race, black, white, you know, every race just turning in their car and, and, you know, going to different places. I've had, I've had three black guys walk up to me in a, in a mall before uh, with me with my wife before we were married and just confront me like why are you selling out and you with this white dude so I mean race relations it, it plays a part in everything I've, I've had my fair share of fights yeah, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so it, it, there's still even in 2016 there's still this ignorance and one thing I just you either get it or you don't right. the fact that people are getting killed over a color and that's not going to resonate with people to understand how simplistic because this it doesn't is happen that we're talking about a color. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't happen to them. And I want to take it a step further. A lot of people are always having an excuse or reason. Well, he ran. Well, he had a knife in his pocket. You know, well, this and that. Not, or he didn't comply. Non-compliance should never equal death. There are so many ways that the police are supposed to be trained to de-escalate a situation. And for some reason, the police are not capable of de-escalating situations with black and brown people and that's where an issue is because i just watched them de-escalate a couple of situations this weekend with a man with a gun and a man that was right. was stabbing people all all these ways that they're able to de-escalate and people are still alive after this encounter with the police but for some reason when it's black people it's somehow it, it, it ends in murder and that's where you can't deny and that even when you end up shooting a guy, and I don't know police protocol, so I'm not going to act like I know that. But even after you shoot a guy, where's the urgency? You, you, you tase a guy, you shoot him. Where's the urgency to check on his pulse to make sure he doesn't die? They want him I to mean, die. That's what it is to kill. Is your objective to kill the guy? Man. If that's your objective, then that's what I see on film: is an objective to kill an individual with no repercussions yeah. of him dying, no fear of him dying. No humanity to where you're saying, hey, here's a human being I just shot. I want to make sure now that he's, he's no risk or no harm to us, I want to make sure he doesn't die because maybe he made a bad decision. And I'm not speaking of any situation specifically, but in any situation to where maybe somebody is guilty. Because I hear too many times, well, he should have been doing crime. He should have been this. And that's a death sentence? It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't it should be. not be a death sentence. You hear Shaq, Jerry Rice, Rodney Harrison, Ray Lewis, this fucking bitch, Kate Upton, Tony LaRusa, Jason Whitlock. There's a lot of people that keep speaking out against Kaepernick, all silent after Terrence Crutcher was killed on camera. Why don't people just shut the fuck up? Stay out of it if you don't have any, if you're if you're gonna speak out when you see some some black on black crime and all these other things. Why aren't you? Why are they quiet when they when this situation happened? How, how does, I'll tell you why. You you want a you want a truthful answer? Truthful. All right, because at that point the race isn't black anymore. It's green. All that matters is money. Mm, speak it. You just you just hit the nail right on the head. It's all about green at that point. And that's why I don't feel bad when I shit on him on social media. I really don't. I, I admire Shaq. I, I, I look up to him. I think the world of him. Jerry Rice was my very, very first ever favorite football player ever mm. in my life. Very, very first. 
and I'm disgusted with him. I don't, I, I don't, I want nothing to do with him. I, I hate that I even loved him the way that I did to hear him say some of the things that he's saying. It's disgusting to me that you don't have to take a side. I'm not asking people to mess up their check. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am asking you to do is just shut up. Why do you have to right. say something? Right, right. Why? If you can't, if you can't come out and support, then you, know, you definitely. The one thing people don't understand with Kaepernick, he has nothing to win from this nothing. situation. It's all an L. He could lose a job. He can lose millions. The way his contract is structured, they can walk away from him, and this move can cost him millions. He can lose a job. But unlike the others that have become green. What he's decided is that humanity is more important than money. Mm, mm, mm. And that's why I stand with him, because people think like he has a guaranteed contract this year. He's going to get that 11 million. But this could be his very last season because a lot of teams might not want to take on the issue. Now, the 49ers have to deal with him because they don't they're not secure in their quarterback position. You know, what I mean, they need him. Yeah. They need him right now, so they can't. They got to deal with him because they were about winning games. Now, if they just want to say "screw it," I don't care about winning, and they let him go. Even better, because he's getting eleven million dollars. But this could be his very right. last season, and he, I believe, and I've not talked to him. This is just my opinion. I believe he knew that this could possibly be his last season, and he decided before my celebrity is gone, I will use my voice to help this country. And if you don't agree with that, if you don't think that that's a good thing, then you're a terrible person. You know, and I have nothing right. nice to say about you. And I want to just talk shit about you as many times as I can. So I'm going to keep talking shit about all y'all. All, all you fucking celebrities that were quiet when Terrence Crutcher was killed, I'm going to shit on you. And, and, and whoever, who who's the Hay, Haywood, uh, 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 Utah Jazz basketball player, his wife, trust me, bitch. You are next. I just been busy doing a whole bunch of shit, but I'm gonna get on you. Let's <laughs> let's 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 change subjects because we have been going, baby. I I love talking to you. Right. I've never met you before well, in my when, life. When, when the, you get more passionate when it carries more weight, and when we're talking about human life over sport, it's easy to to, to go on a tirade. Right. So let's get into this game. This is the reason that I called you. <laughs> right. Right. So the game Texans and Patriots. Now now I. I have to tell you what kind of sports reporter I am. I'm an I'm a analyst of talent. I don't always know everybody's names and, and what college sure. they went to, all those things. But I know football. And what I know about football is this is going to be a really, really good game, especially since the Patriots are on their third quarterback and it's week three. <laughs> and um, Gronk, is he going to play? I'm not sure if he's going to play. He might be out. Uh, you know, Belichick's going to keep it close yeah. to the best to the end, so, and yeah. The, the Texans are 2-0. and They're playing quite well. Their defense is um looking like a top-five defense right now. They're, they're leading the league, I believe, in sacks, going into yep. week three against a rookie quarterback who only played the second half last week. My God, what do you – what? Do, let's just start from the beginning, the quarterbacks. What? Let's talk about those two. Osweiler got the big contract, left the Broncos, came to Texas – what have you seen so far with him? Osweiler is a guy that, you know, the, the same issues he had coming from Denver, they, they haven't evaporate, evaporated. Uh, here in this Texas offense, he has the first-round draft pick, Will Fuller, that runs legit 4-3 speed, and they try to get over the top on that. 
plenty of times. Tonight could be an NFL record if Will Fuller starts his first three games of his career with 100-yard receiving games. He's done it game one, game two, and he mm. could do it uh, game three to be the first person in history. He also has DeAndre Hopkins, one of the top five, ten wide receivers in the NFL, uh, that, that all you need is, is a little bit of space, and he'll, he'll go up and win those 50-50 balls. And so, but with those two guys, Brock Osweiler has completed passes for 499 yards through two weeks. It's almost 76%, number one in the NFL, of those passing yards have gone to just those two wide receivers. And I think number one in the NFL, but that's not necessarily a good thing right. if you're just locking on to those two targets. And he's avoiding the intermediate, intermediate middle of the field because he doesn't see the blueprint of the defense. So he'll throw guys in the coverage. He'll not see the linebacker or the corner draw who's smart enough playing, playing in a zone look. So there's still a lot to be concerned about. The accuracy is not great. Um, he had three, he's got three interceptions, three touchdowns, three interceptions through two games. And Marcus Peters, one of the best young cornerbacks in the game, he picked them off twice. And if I'm being honest, he should have had four interceptions in that game. Oh, DeAndre man. Hopkins uh, reached in and poked one out that he had already caught, but he didn't hold it long enough. That would have been interception number three. And late in the game, when the game's already out of reach, Brock Osweiler takes a deep uh, throw on a go route when Marcus Peters is two to three yards ahead. With your husband being a corner, you already know right. if the corner's ahead, you throw back shoulder. Yes. You don't throw the go ball. No, he don't. throws the go ball. Marcus Peters picks it off, but maybe half of his foot is out of bounds. That's four interceptions. Mm. So that lets you know. That lets you know some of the concerns with Osweiler. And see, I I, I had some questions about him, and, and this is completely based on um, my respect for John Elway. With him coming into Denver and right. them getting rid of him so quickly, that lets me know right there that John Elway doesn't respect him enough to keep him, you know what I mean, to pay him what he got in, in Houston. So to me, I started looking at, well, what's wrong with him? And so I started analyzing the first two games, and I'm seeing that they're not sco- – you guys aren't scoring in – I don't want to say you guys, like it's your team and all that, but that's just you – know, <laughs> right. They're not scoring in the red zone. There's a lot of field goals being kicked. You know, he's getting some good yardage, but but that the yardage is catfish as far as I'm concerned if you do not score in the red zone. So there's Absolutely. a lot of low-scoring games happening. Lamar Miller, who uh, came from Miami where we came from, he's not being um, productive. I'm not sure if that's an offensive line thing. It looks to me like they're not running the ball as much. They're, th- they're relying on Osweiler, which can really be bad if, if, if this continues because you have to at some point have a one-two punch. If you keep throwing to those same two guys, at some point they're going to take that away, and then what are you going to do? You know, so yeah, with Lamar Miller, uh, you know the, he's got the second most rushes in the NFL. They're they're feeding him, and some of the blame is on here. Some of it's on the offensive line. The Texans' offensive line, their starting left tackle, Dwayne Browns, uh, missed a whole offseason coming back from injury. You got a backup swing tackle starting at left tackle. Left guard is Xavier Suafila, and let's be honest, the only reason he's starting is because you used the thirty third pick overall a couple years ago on him when you were considering him and Jimmy Garoppolo. Now this is, this really could have showed up in your face tonight if Garoppolo was man. healthy oh, and then man. your center you draft a center in the second round to be your starting center he gets injured so you got a backup undrafted center that's now your starter your right guard's a free agent from Kansas City and Jeff Allen and your right tackle just came back from injury and missed the whole offseason so there's no chemistry they're not getting to the second level blocks they're not getting uh, playing with chemistry and Lamar Miller uh, he's hesitating too much he did it at the University of Miami he did it with the Dolphins and he's doing it now uh, you okay. have to be 
able to provide holes. And when the offensive line starts to gel, then all of a sudden people's like, oh, Lamar Miller's figured it out. No, his offensive line is giving him the creases that he needs because he's not an instinctual runner like an Arian Foster. He's a guy that sees the hole, and if you give him that hole, he can take it to the house. Right. Okay, so Jacoby Brissett, I, I got no clue. I got no clue who he is. I, I didn't even right. know that the, the the that the Patriots had a black quarterback on the roster. Like <laughs> here he comes out of nowhere, and I'm like, who is this? So I can't even analyze him. I, I don't really watch college football at all. So you're like, is you, Rohan Davy back in the NFL? <laughs> I'm like what, what? What do you know anything about him? Yeah, I do. He, uh, I do a lot of evaluation of the prospects when they come out. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, out of NC State rookie, he's a guy that's a you know he's a day three pick. And and he wasn't you know he he wasn't this great steal that slid to the day three. He's a day three pick. He's a guy that they just hope to be an emergency backup to, that they could develop in case they lose Garoppolo. But I'm going to tell you this: watching Garoppolo against Miami, My uh, you, you know your former your former team out there, this guy looks like one of the best young up and coming quarterback. He sees the exactly field what I so tremendously. His he's got what Bill O'Brien down here in Houston calls a quick mind. What that means he just scans the field. You know how some quarterbacks will click through like those old eighty sprinklers and yes. it back through? He scans the field. I yeah, mean it's just does. so fluid. He sees it and when he sees it, his arm and mind are in unison and he re- reacts immediately and he's accurate. There's no doubt in my mind as long as health doesn't play an issue in it, Jimmy Garoppolo will be a stellar starting quarterback. If he was playing tonight, I would pick the Patriots over the Texas. But with Jacoby Brissett getting his first start on a short week on a Thursday night against a pass rush. Now, this is probably going to blow your mind, Nico. John Simon leads the NFL in quarterback hits with six. J.J. Watt is one back with five. Mm. Clowney's one back with four. I know they got Whitney nine and Ben Dargent and McKinney both have three. You got five guys of the starting front seven that are right there at the league league in quarterback hits going up against a rookie quarterback. And the way the Patriots use him, it shows they don't have any trust in him. And I don't blame them for that. They did a lot of play action, a lot of check down to the tight ends and running back. And that's what I expect to see tonight. Wow. So they've got Garoppolo dressed out as a backup. What do you think he's not? What What do you think that is? Because I mean, let's just say for shits and giggles that this this D line that is has had nine sacks so far in two games does crack Jacoby's egg open. Who is coming <laughs> in next? Is it Edelman? Is Garoppolo? I, I think gonna... Edelman because th- there's actually conflicting reports coming out of New England. Uh, one person reported Garoppolo was dressing and he would be an emergency quarterback. Uh, Mike Reese actually reported that he will not be dressing. So I'm not exactly sure at this point it's anybody's guess. Uh, but if there's one report saying he's not going to dress and Mike Reese is pretty close to the team, I would guess Gar- uh, Garoppolo doesn't dress. And like you said, you got a college quarterback. Julian Edelman probably playing some Wildcat. Wow, this is going to be. I'm telling this is. That's why I said I have to cover this game. I just I want to talk about it. I want to see what the hell's going on because I have a lot of respect for Bill Belichick. Like he is an incredible coach. So I never I can't imagine them being an underdog, which is what they are for this game. And so I was I was going back and watching some film from the the last time that they played and the way they structured the defense. They really shut Hopkins down last year, and it was part of the reason that they snuffed him so badly. So I'm thinking to myself now that was with Tom Brady with Gronk, you know, and and everybody healthy. And now here we are with um, Jacoby Brissett 
and Gronk's, you know, probably 80-90%. What do they do now with Hopkins and with Fuller on the other side? How does New England even sustain on defense this incredible attack? Is it because Osweiler's just a, a you know, a, a game manager or do you is, is there any fear as well cuz we already know on offense New England is going to have some trouble. Do you see them having right, trouble right. as well on, on defense? On defense, I think you have to game plan, obviously, to to stop Lamar Miller because Bill O'Brien is going to continue to force feed Lamar Miller out the backfield and, and allow his defense to, to win him games. Uh, you're going to ask Oswaller to take those deep shots and get the ball to Hopkins. If I'm the New England Patriots and what I've seen on film from the Texans is how much they rely, I mean, three-fourths of your passing offense is two guys. Then if that's the situation, I'm bracketing DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm bracketing uh, Will Fuller. Now I'm asking you to like, right, get past my corner safety with both of these guys, and I'm forcing Brock Osweiler to show me that, hey, with Braxton Miller out, show me that you can go to Jalen Strong out the slot. Show me that you can go to undrafted free agent tight end Steven Anderson, who was a hell of a find. Uh, but still, I want these to be your top two options because we're going to take away Hopkins and Fuller. And if you do that, that's the way New England, because everybody goes into the game every week, and there's one game that uh, there's no way this team wins. And a lot of people say there's probably no way the Patriots win with a third-string quarterback in his mm-hmm. first start against this pass rush. But there's always a way there's to always. win a game. That's yeah. why they say any given Sunday. And with Bill Belichick, there's definitely always a win the game because he's such a, a chess player, and mm-hmm. he'll give you some different looks. The one thing going against Bill Belichick, out of all the assistant coaches that came out from Bill O'Brien, I mean from Bill Belichick, oh, Bill O'Brien is the one that I think took and learned the different situational football that Bill Belichick preached, and he's put it in. Last week, and you you can probably speak. This is what I love about doing the show with you. You can probably speak with great knowledge on this how yes. difficult this is. Last week against the Chiefs, they got lit up by Kelsey last week and and uh, last year in two games. His only two games of a hundred receiving yards. So last week they decided to take their their uh, sub package corner AJ Boyer, who's six foot, long reach, and good speed, and decided to take their starting safety Andre Howoff in nickel packages. Mm. They took AJ Boyer and played him a slot corner or a, a sub package corner and play him on Travis Kelsey and also on all the nickel packages made him a safety for, for that game. Wow. They've taken Jadavion Clowney, who was an outside linebacker throughout his career, and made him a 3-4 DN, and in sub-packages, he obviously kicks out the DN at that seven eight nine technique. It's situational football, and there are probably two of just a handful of coaches that don't have that conceited mindset of that, we're going to go out there and do what we do well and make them stop us. No, that's, that's old-school football thoughts. What Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien does so well, as Belichick was his mentor, is situational football and game planning. We see your weakness. I'm going to put my thumb on your bullet wound and to inflict as much much attack and pain as I can. Oh, my God. This is going to be good. This is going to be a really good game. Osweiler beat them in Week 12 in overtime last year. I don't know if you watched that game. I definitely watched it because I couldn't believe that it happened. And so – I have to think for a second that after seeing that game, granted, Gronk went down. I think Edelman went down in that game as well. And so that played a part in why New England lost. Now they don't have Tom Brady. I truly feel like it's hard. It's hard for me to say the Patriots are going to lose. It's really hard. But I really think they're going to lose. And this is a game, when I I looked at the, the, the schedule 
for the season for the Patriots. I was thinking to myself, like, people are saying the Patriots are going to stink. They're going to be so bad. And when I looked at the schedule, I thought to myself, this is actually the best schedule you would want if you were losing Tom Brady for four games because early on you think about – um, the, the big games, the important games that they've, they've kind of already had to deal with. They, they had to play Arizona. Right. They had to play Arizona. That's, that's a tough game. They, they won. You know, the Cardinals are for real this year. They, they won. They played the Dolphins. I always thought that was going to be win. Here are the Texans. This is a great defensive team, and their offense is doing well. I thought this could be a loss for them. After that, I didn't really have the Patriots losing again until week seven against the Steelers. So now I'm thinking to right. myself, you know, if they do lose this game, I don't think it affects the Patriots as much as people might think because I kind of had them losing. Granted, that was before I saw Garoppolo play, you know, the first two weeks, which would have been a win today had he been playing. But to leave, losing this game, it's not such a big deal for the Patriots, but but I, I still think Belichick is going to do everything that he can absolutely every I mean he is not going to just concede an L just because of all the circumstances so I'm, I'm this is they, they're at home they they they're not the, they're they're on the dog and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and predict an L for the Patriots and not by much I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to get smacked and the only reason is because I, I do believe that coaching has a lot to do with it and even though I don't know Jacoby I, I still believe that that if anybody can get a rookie ready in three games, right. it has to be him. It has to be him. But I see an L for the Patriots, and I, and I think it might be a low-scoring game, something like 17 to 20. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair assessment right there. You never write off a Bill Belichick team. Here's the thing. If the Patriots can win, I think their game plan on defense is like we said, you know, double up on Hopkins and Fuller, make somebody else beat you. I think mm-hmm. Bill Belichick will, will, will attempt that. Uh, the way you beat the Texans with this limited offense is you go to – they got two speedy receiving backs in James White and D.J. Foster, the rookie. And I was looking at some of the film from last week. They lined up both of them guys in the backfield. That's a hard look because Brian Cushion is still injured for the Texans. You really don't have a linebacker. You got uh, Bendarjic McKinney and Max Buller who are very good against the run, but they're not great in pass coverage. So I think if you're attacking the offense, you're run heavy, you're play action heavy, and you're passing to James White and D.J. Foster uh, a lot out of the offense. So I think they can keep it close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. But like you said, I got the Texans winning as well. Uh, I would say that that defense is going to be hard. I think they limit them. I like where you're going with the low-scoring game. I'm going to go uh, 17-14 Texans. Mm. We will see. We shall see. Absolutely. This is going to be a fun one. I'm definitely going to you, – do you tweet live during the games? I got it. Uh, I'm, I'm like I said. I'm from South Carolina, born a Clemson fan my whole life, and they, I just got the curse this week with Clemson and the Texans playing at the same time. Oh, so I got to do a post game show after the Texans game, uh, and I got to watch the Clemson at the same time. So sometimes I tweet if there's just like some unique look or something I'll okay. see. But uh, I'm probably be real invested. The only team I'm a fan of, I can't be a fan of an NFL team because I cover the sport. The only team I'm a fan of is the Clemson Tigers, and I act like a fan when they play. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that might be fun I'll, to watch. I'll, I'll, on absolutely. <laughs> I'll be nervous. I'll be more nervous watching Clemson because uh, if they get by this win, they got a uh, Heisman candidate, Lamar Jackson, Louisville next week. Ooh, Louisville looking yeah, nice. Exactly. They're looking real nice. Man, well, good luck yeah. to Clemson, man. Good luck to you guys. 
I'll be live tweeting the Texans game. So I'll, I'll, I'll peek in and see if you're talking about anything. But this is going to be a good one. And we definitely got to tweet each other to see how, how it turned out and, and if we were right. Absolutely. You can always get me on Twitter. I think I live on there basically with, you know, with, with covering football and everything like that. I appreciate the invite. I want to say uh, thanks for having me on. And you got a great show. Uh, continued success with that. And continued success to your husband and uh, his career down there in Tampa Bay now. Thank you. And before you go, Jason, can you please tell everyone again your Twitter and your radio show, like any, any way that they can hear you, if you have a podcast, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Braddock, and that is with a Y J A Y S O N Braddock. I do sports talk radio in Houston, Texas. It's called The Source on Sports Talk 790. If you're not in town to listen on 790, you can always catch the podcast after the show on sports790.com. Thank you so much, Jason. Have a good day, all right? Thank you. My pleasure. You take care. All right, you too. Bye-bye. What a great show. Aiden, I'm still live. Say hi, everybody. Say hi. Aiden is being very quiet today and and listening to me, but I am going to end the show now. Aiden, you missed it, the most of it. Thank God. But um, shout out to Jason for joining me, and um, he's very knowledgeable. He, he, He knows a lot, and I love his passion. I love that he he is himself and he says what he means and he doesn't give a shit if you don't like it. I love having guests like that. If you know any reporters for certain teams, I'm going to be covering Monday night games for sure. I'm going to try to do Sunday night and Thursday night as much as I can. If you know any reporters that want to come on and join me and talk some football and talk some just trending topics of football, please hit me up on Twitter at iHeartMiko, Instagram at iHeartMiko, Snapchat at iHeartMiko and here's my podcast on SoundCloud it will be on iTunes and a new edition I will be removing my my podcast from SoundCloud and going to Audioboom yes your girl just got a contract with Audioboom so I'm going to be moving my podcast there getting some revenues going to be doing some ads some sponsorships and all that shit so that just means my show is growing which means I need to grow and get better and I appreciate you guys for staying with me and joining me and supporting me and please 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 remember pass my link around let people know that you support me as well peace